Welcome to the Business of Psychology podcast, the show that helps you to reach more people, help more people, and build the life you want to live by doing more than therapy. This week's episode is all about making your practice simple and less overwhelming through outsourcing, a topic that I feel really strongly about. But there is an elephant in the room when I talk about this subject, and that is that you do need to be earning some money before you can outsource. And that can be a really big stumbling block when you first start in private practice. And a big reason that people don't have the money to outsource is that they're undercharging. We all know that we've been guilty of it at some stage. And we've got some free training coming up that can really help you with that. So before we get started on today's episode, I wanted to remind you about the free Find Your Focus training that's coming up on Thursday, April the 1st. If you ever undercharge because you don't feel like an expert, struggle to get enough referrals to pay your bills or to find those first clients, or spend thousands on CPD courses because your imposter syndrome tells you to, then you need to specialise. Last year, we ran a free training for mental health professionals on why finding a focus is key to building a fulfilling and impactful practice that you deserve to work in. Over 200 psychologists and therapists came along and it was such a success that we've decided to run it again to celebrate the doors reopening to Psychology Business School. So if you want a free seat on the training on April the 1st at 7.30 and there will be a replay available, then you can sign up in the show notes to this episode or at psychologybusinessschool.com. Today we're talking about something that I am extremely passionate about when and how to hire your first VA, virtual assistant, in private practice. So in today's episode, we're going to cover why you should outsource, how to decide what to outsource and when, and the types of tasks you can outsource, and a few tips from me on how to do this effectively, because I'm not sure I got it quite right the first time that I did it. So firstly, why should you outsource some admin in your psychology or therapy practice? Well, have you noticed that if you're in psychology business school or in the Do More Than Therapy membership and you ask me the time or date for something that I have created and scheduled, I pretty much can never give you a straight answer. (laughs) It really, dates, times, they really are a huge problem for me. I'm reasonably intelligent. I have a good head for many things, but I can't hold any kind of number or date in my mind. So almost as soon as a date or a time is mentioned to me, I literally forget it. Any of the students on Psychology Business School or members of Do Modern Therapy are probably more than aware of that fact. I literally freeze if you ask me something like that on a webinar. So this can be a real problem in private practice. It certainly was for me. Even though I use all of the tools like Calendly for scheduling meetings, WriteUp for running my clinics and Google Calendar for everything else, I still double book myself when I'm left to my own devices all the time. And then I procrastinate about putting it right because I find it really stressful to find an alternative date and rebook somebody. So in the first year of my practice, I definitely lost a lot of money because of that. I would turn down clients because I thought I had no space when that wasn't true and I came across as deeply unprofessional sometimes uh, when people had to rebook several times. 
I also had a contract with a company who wanted me to keep availability up to date on their system so that they could book their employees in with me whenever they wanted. And I just couldn't manage it. I just couldn't do it. So I rarely got work from them. So after about 12 months of really hating myself and being very critical and letting that inner critic bully me, I listened to a podcast that told me about a magical person called a virtual assistant. And until that moment in my head, I'd imagined that only very successful, established practices could afford help with admin. Coming from the NHS land of admin scarcity and the horrendously unequal way that admin support is distributed, that had really left me thinking that I wasn't worth admin support. And I'm guessing that some of you might relate to that way of thinking. If that's you, if that's where you are right now, I'm really hoping to give you a light bulb moment um, like the one that I had. Because if you're doing less admin, you can see more clients and you can earn more money that you then use to pay for admin support. So I'll, I'll say that again. If you do less admin, you will earn more money and you will earn more money than you pay for admin support. It's worth it, essentially. So for me, this was instant. I took on my first VA, the lovely Samantha Dawkins from Koala VA in Plymouth. And within a week, she made me £300 simply by keeping my diary up to date on the online booking system for the company that I mentioned. She's a specialist VA and they tend to charge between about £20 and £40 an hour. So they're not cheap but she was really good at what she did and she reconciled my diary every day. It took her a few minutes when it would have taken me hours um, and that got me that work instantly. So there was an instant payoff for the money that I spent with her. Even better than that, once you hand over tasks that really stress you out, um, then you'll have more time available for marketing, networking events, and seeing the people on your waiting list. So whatever your problem, whether you don't have enough clients or you have too many clients, outsourcing the stuff that sucks your time and that you're really bad at is just really helpful. So that brings me on to the next question that people often ask me about outsourcing. And that's, how do I decide what to outsource in my psychology practice and when? So. Here are some outsourcing principles I really wish that I'd had in mind from the beginning. Firstly, outsource what you're worst at first. If there's something that takes you ages because it's just not natural for you, it doesn't fit with your brain, then give it to someone that can do it in half the time. It will free up your time, it will free up your energy and your creativity for tasks that are actually going to bring money into your practice. And there's actually quite a lot that falls into this category for me. I feel like I'm exposing my flaws. Um, but as I mentioned, the first thing I outsourced was my biggest weakness, the diary. Then I had to look at what I messed up most frequently, which was invoicing. Uh, but I'll talk you through some more of those tasks later on. Second, outsource things that are too overwhelming in volume. So once you've got rid of the stuff you're worst at, and you're starting to feel like you've got enough budget and you're comfortable financially enough to outsource a bit more, then look to the things that are overwhelming because of their sheer volume. This didn't happen to me until this year, but I've reached a point that the inquiries coming through my website and my directory profiles just got too much for me to handle. 
Again, I noticed myself procrastinating, replying to anyone, even really exciting opportunities because I just felt too overwhelmed to even look at my inbox. That's really not a good thing for a business owner. And so I outsourced my inbox management this year. It's easier to do than you'd imagine, especially if you've got processes in place. And I'm gonna be releasing a few podcasts over the next few weeks about processes and how much easier your life is if you've got a very clear procedure for what you do with inquiries, including templates. Because in the first instance, it makes your life easier. And then when you hire somebody, they can just pick up your process and use your templates. Um, And yeah, it's seamless and a good experience for potential clients. Next, outsource tasks that you might be okay at, but they just don't really require your expertise. So as you grow, you need to outsource more, and this is the next principle to use. So for me, this was video and podcast editing. I actually like doing those things. So I didn't outsource them for ages, um, but a few months ago, I realized that the hours that I was spending on them were hours that I could be spending recording more episodes of the podcast or going to networking events or promoting the podcasts. Um, And those are key priorities for my marketing um, over the next year. So I found the lovely Natalie from Lime VA who edits this podcast. And not only does she do a better job than me, you can probably hear the difference if you've been listening from the beginning, but she also makes sure that I'm really accountable to recording when I say I'm going to record. And that's improved my processes and made my business life a little bit less stressful, if I'm honest. Uh, and my productivity around the podcast has really shot up as a result. So you can't always put a tangible financial amount on um, on the benefits of outsourcing. Sometimes it can help you actually revolutionize your business and the way that you work. And I definitely say that outsourcing my podcast editing and my video editing has done that for me. Finally, outsource the stuff that you're good at, but that somebody else can do. So you will reach the point eventually when if you want to grow, if your vision tells you need to grow the business bigger, then you're going to have to take more strategic oversight in your business. It might be at this stage that you think about hiring other people to do some of the tasks you actually love. If your vision is telling you that you need to grow something that's bigger than just one or two clinicians in a practice, this is really exciting, but it's also terrifying. And it's kind of where I'm at at the moment, if I'm honest with you. Um, But in order to grow something with really big impact, you do need to have time to think like a CEO. And that usually means letting somebody else in at the top level. And there'll be some things that only you can do. So for example, it really wouldn't make much sense for me to let anyone else host my podcast or write my social media posts. A huge part of my business is about talking to you guys and the people that my clinical work serves. And understanding my community on a deep level is literally what I'm all about. It is like baked into the core values of my business. So I get help with graphics, I get help with video, I get help with editing, I get help with all sorts of stuff, but I would never want to outsource my podcast or my presence on social media. It just wouldn't fit with the purpose of my business. So it's really crucial at this stage to recognize when you might need to bring on a more substantial team evaluate your vision for the business and give away the stuff that doesn't essentially have to be you. Not every business requires moving to this stage, Um, but if your vision tells you that yours does, 
then you've kind of got to be brave and do it. And I will let you know how that transition goes for me. So a few tips for growing your private practice with outsourcing, because I know it can be quite scary. When you've been in your practice for a while, it might feel like you need to outsource quite a lot of tasks. And when that happens, it makes a lot of sense to map out your client experience from the moment they come into contact with your website to the moment they're discharged from working with you. Map all of the tasks that need to happen between those two points, including clinical tasks like sessions, but also functional tasks like feedback forms being sent, invoices being sent, somebody checking up that those things have come back to you. When you do this, it's called end-to-end process mapping. If you have several different types of clients or services that you offer, you might need to do this for several different client groups. For example, I've got this mapped out for therapy clients, organisations I support, PBS students and do modern therapy members separately. Then you step back and look at which steps should be done by you and which should be done by somebody else and allocate members of your team. I would say as a general principle, try to hire one person that can do all of the outsourceable steps in that process. So in my case, that would be all of the non-clinical steps in the process or the non-delivery, non-face-to-face delivery steps. If you can do that, it makes for a far better client experience than having different people swooping in and doing different aspects of the process. I've done this recently, as previously I had lots of people doing little tasks for me and communication between all of us was a real challenge. It was nobody's fault, but for example, invoices would never be followed up on because the person doing invoicing was different to the person who was managing my diary. So the person doing invoicing wouldn't notice that somebody maybe hadn't had an invoice um, for a good few weeks. So now I've got one VA, Anna from Our Business Solutions, who's brilliant, who does all of the admin tasks for the clinical side of my business. It's already working far better for me and it means my clients all know that for admin scheduling issues, Anna is the person to go to. So I really believe it's a better experience for them as well. So if you're interested in mapping out your processes and you're a member of Psychology Business School, we have got a class on how to do this in Asana with processes expert Amy Mitchell. So go and have a look at your dashboard and check out that class if you haven't already, because I know I'm a total geek. I own that. I'm proud of it. um, But I really enjoyed recording the class with Amy because I just know how quickly your overwhelm reduces and how much more confident you are in the quality of service you provide when you get all of that stuff mapped out and when you've got the right people supporting you. I love it. (laughs) I can't, can't say that enough. Okay, so people ask me often for a list of the types of things that they might want to think about outsourcing. And here are a few ideas for you, but obviously the list is sort of infinite because we all know there's an infinite amount of things to do in a private practice. But these are the ones that came to my mind first. Diary management, inbox management, podcast editing, video editing, bookkeeping, accounts, community management, that's somebody to help you run Um, your social groups if you have them. Um, I'll talk more in a different episode with Sam Hill, our community manager for Do Modern Therapy, so you'll learn exactly what that's all about in that episode. Graphics for social media, I have not got an eye for those, no interest in designing those myself, Um, so I've outsourced that from quite early on in my business. Social media scheduling, 
not the writing bit. I do think that has to be you, sorry. Um, but scheduling, putting them actually into the scheduler to go out on the right date. I don't do that because I'm terrible with dates, so you can, you can outsource that. And copywriting, if you're not a brilliant writer, then you need to do all the work, getting to know your ideal client and um, getting really clear in your mind about your mission statement. You absolutely need to do all of that. But then if you've got the budget, hiring a copywriter to express that really well for you in your directory profiles and on your website can be an outsource well worth considering. Okay, so before we go, there are a few things that you need to have in place when you're hiring. If you employ somebody, then you need to make sure that they're trained up in data protection, GDPR and how to handle sensitive data in accordance with your professional body's requirements. You would also be responsible for any other training that they need to do in order to do their job well. But most of the time, you won't employ people early on in your private practice. Most of the time, you're gonna be outsourcing to freelancers. These are self-employed people. So it's actually their responsibility to make sure that they have the right training. So when I'm looking to outsource, I create a job description and then I interview freelancers who seem to fit the bill. And I usually find those people through recommendations. I ask them to evidence that they've got training in areas that I need them to be good at. And I have a contract with them that includes how they're gonna process data in accordance with GDPR and my requirements. A good freelancer will know exactly how to handle all of this. And I would only work with people experienced with working with healthcare professionals. Um, especially on the therapy side of my business. If they're gonna have access to healthcare data, I want to know that they're very experienced in that area. And actually a lot of VAs have backgrounds as medical secretaries, have had work experience in the NHS, or like my VA, Anna, have worked with loads of psychologists before. Um, and it's well worth being picky and going for somebody like that, because otherwise you're just gonna worry all the time. Uh, you, you really want somebody to support you who knows exactly what they're doing. So I hope this has been a helpful introduction to outsourcing in your business. I really believe there's a lot we should all be outsourcing to allow our practices to reach their full potential. So hopefully I've inspired some of you to do it sooner rather than later. As ever, please do let me know your thoughts on this episode. And if you found it helpful, please leave us a five star review in your podcast app. I am determined to get this podcast heard by more people this year and more reviews will help us to do exactly that. Are you new to private practice? Or maybe you've had your practice for a while, but it just isn't bringing you the fulfillment you wanted. Do you ever find yourself undercharging because you don't feel like an expert? Or struggling to get enough referrals to pay your bills or to even find your first clients? Or do you find yourself spending thousands on CPD courses that are really just fueled by your imposter syndrome? If any of those apply to you, you need to specialise. Last year, we ran a free training for mental health professionals on why finding a focus is key to building a fulfilling and impactful practice that you deserve to work in. Over 200 psychologists and therapists came along and it was such a success that we've decided to run it again to celebrate the doors reopening to Psychology Business School. So if you want a free seat on the training on April the 1st at 7.30, there will be a replay available if that's not a good time for you then you can sign up in the show notes to this episode or at psychologybusinessschool.com. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Business of Psychology podcast. 
If you share my passion for doing more than therapy, then make sure you come over and join my free Do More Than Therapy Facebook community, where you can work on getting your big ideas off the ground with like-minded psychologists and therapists. I'd also love it if you could leave this show a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. It will help more of the people who need it to find it. See you next week for more tips and inspirational stories to help you do more than therapy.